This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome back the DNVR's Brendan Vogt to give his preview of the Denver Nuggets in the NBA playoffs. We asked Brendan what happens if the Nuggets don't live up to expectations. The MVP race featuring Nikolai Jokic. Why Jamal Murray has the most at stake in this postseason. Then Matt and Justin hop in the lab with their first round playoff predictions. Don't want to miss this discussion. Um, we agree on most points, but some points will be surprised as we disagree with our first round picks. Don't want to miss that discussion. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod.gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest content. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Brendan Vogt. He covers the Denver Nuggets for DNVR.com. We welcome back Brendan Vogt onto Hoopsology. Welcome back, Brendan. Fellas, been a minute. Good to be back. We got a lot to talk about, it looks like. We do, and good to have you on. And I want to just hop into it right now. And um, I was reading the column that DNVR put up there, which uh, featured your expert analysis. That's huh. about the expectations of the Nuggets. And something that really st- stood out to me is what you said about Jamal Murray. And you said that he has the most at stake in terms of this playoff run. Can you explain why? Sure. I think it's been almost glossed over a bit especially here in Denver, there's a lot of Jokic legacy talk and Michael Malone, understandably long tenured head coach. If they don't get it done, maybe some changes are on the horizon. What about the second best player? And I'm not in any rush to get Jamal Murray out of town or anything, but when you think about the bubble, it was a long time ago now and the injuries are not his fault. But at this stage in his career, Murray has yet to win an all-star game. And the Nuggets, in some people's eyes, have underachieved. So if you look at a player like Jokic, he's not going to get it, it looks like. But nearing back-to-back-to-back MVPs, excuse me, fellas, it's almost due diligence and it requires thorough consideration of everything, including maybe looking at who the co-stars are out of fairness to Jokic. Not that Murray's necessarily been the wrong guy, but if you come up short in a year in which ownership in the front office thinks you have everything you need to compete i think just about all options are on the table um do you think the fans see it that way if nuggets don't meet expectations will they have the same philosophy or that's a great question i think there's probably multiple camps in that regard i'm i know for a fact there are folks who believe in joel maul murray no matter what happens this postseason and they would want him on this roster going forward and now i think there are other folks who would who would maybe say, look, if they fall short, that might be the next route you can you consider. Jokic has not played with a co-all-star. Now, past all-stars and Paul Millsap, but he has not shared an all-star game with a teammate. And that's a crazy thing to think about. So if they, again, if they don't get it done, and I don't mean to be so, so doomsday, maybe they do, fellas. But if they don't, I think you are having tough conversations this far into the whole Jokic era. Brendan, what what do you kind of define as get it done? Like, is that like a push to the finals? Is that Western Conference finals? What what kind of level are you talking about there? That's another good question. I think this is another one where I think probably folks in Denver are of different minds. I would imagine if it's a competitive Western Conference finals, 
game six, game seven, those are really tough discussions internally. Do you just run it back? How close were they? I think if you lose in the second round, even to a team like Phoenix, it starts to get dicey. Michael Malone, for example, maybe Murray. This group has been together for a long time, and this is the first one seed the team has ever had. This is full systems go here. They believe they have an opportunity. They believe they're good enough. So I think anything less than conference finals should be viewed as a disappointment. The team has never made the finals in their NBA history. So if they win the West, I would think everyone's safe, even if they fail to win there. Um, but I think we're about at Western Conference Finals, finals territory. Yeah, I guess my concern as, you know, the Nuggets are my team, but I, I certainly root for them. They're they're close. Me being Albuquerque, they're, they're very close sure. regionally. Uh, so I want them to succeed and do well. It's It's just such a tough draw to get the Phoenix Suns in the second round wanted to ask your thoughts. I mean, assuming both teams are are healthy on paper, I mean, do you see the Suns right now, the Vegas favorites to get out of sure. the Western conference finals, but Justin and I were just talking a few minutes ago about the inconsistency that they've had in the postseason. you know, Chris Paul's health always being in question along with some of the other guys on this roster this season. Do you think, on paper, if everyone's healthy, I mean, there are advantages that aren't being talked about that the Nuggets have against them. That's an interesting way to frame it. Yes, I think the Nuggets probably have a better sense of who they are in crunch time all these years later. Mm. Phoenix, I mean, Kevin Durant is a very malleable superstar. It's not that difficult to figure out how to play with them, as they evidenced in those games they did get together. But from a Nuggets perspective, I think you take solace in the fact that they have not had this full season together. It is very difficult, very rare to make that big split splash at the trade deadline and get it all done in that same year. You know, especially in an era where guys are not practicing. Again, do I expect mm -hmm. Phoenix to look just fine, more or less? But when it comes down to fourth quarters, I would think chemistry, identity, there's a chance Denver has a leg up there. Now the Nuggets also have a handful of new guys on the roster. But the fourth quarter reps, what it looks like, the two-man game with Jokic and Murray, these guys have been in these battles together. They've been in countless game sevens together. So in that sense, I think they're probably looking at the whole starting five, the chemistry there, and thinking maybe this adds up to something more than the star power in Phoenix. The Nuggets are not the deepest team out West. Their bench has struggled. But I think they're deeper than Phoenix after that trade. There are some rotation players for the Suns that probably wouldn't factor into the playoffs, you know, had they not traded for Kevin Durant. So I think you look in those areas. What is the expectations of the locker room specifically? I, I mean, you know, players, they're known for not, you know, giving their hands away in terms of their actual sure. feelings. But I think this year is different in terms of how the Nuggets have performed, you know, the potential for a three-peat for the Joker as MVP. Like, what are their expectations in that locker room? Are they expecting themselves just to, you know, be in the finals or are they just tempering expectations, you think? I think the older guys in the locker room, and which for the Nuggets can also just mean Jokic and Jamal, by the way. They are the, the veterans at this point. But – I would say that they're a bit more um, candid about the opportunity at hand, what they want to accomplish, what they think they can accomplish. The word championship has been thrown around since training camp. But I also think there is an element of wanting to be about it more than talk about it this season. And so if they've been restrained to sort of throw that word around lately, 
it's probably been th through that vein kind of, right? They just, I think they'd rather be about their business here than state the goal. I do think the expectation is championship. It's funny, Michael Porter Jr., kind of a younger guy. He was a little more hesitant to throw the word championship on the expectations. But I, I get the sense that Jamal, Jokic, and, and most of most of the team understand exactly what this opportunity is. Is that a good strategy in terms of laying those expectations out? What is I've heard different philosophies where right. you say championship or a bust, and there's like too much pressure if you don't kind of right. cut yourself short. Like, what, what is your take on that? Do you think that's a good strategy just to say, hey, we don't make the NBA finals this season's a failure? Or yeah, yeah. Well, you'll notice that how many folks in the organization really try to shy away from from yeah. that line, and that's I think maybe more where we in the media take it. But I, having said that, you know, Josh Kroenke, effectively the owner of the Denver Nuggets said it's a championship or bust season. I, I think they crossed a threshold with so many years with the same core and the same coach where now this conversation is appropriate. It's healthy pressure because they should view this as like, it's time. This is their best chance. Um, and I think maybe over the years that pressure could have forced an unwise trade or a coaching change before it was necessary. But again, I think, think we're at the crossroads now where if they can't get it done this year you really got to think long and hard about why that is yeah I think especially when you see what Giannis has accomplished on the Bucks you have Jokic accomplishing similar individual uh feats on the Nuggets you know and they have all this continuity I, I think that's totally fair um wanted to get your thoughts I know it's it's an old topic at this point but we haven't gotten to speak with someone covering the Nuggets specifically about the MVP race. What mm. have you kind of seen in Denver? I mean, for me personally, I'll, I'll just give you my quick thoughts. I, I thought we had three players deserving of MVP this year. I thought for me, Jokic being an offense, <laughs> like puts, gives, gives him a little bit of advantage because of the demands placed on him. I thought Embiid, of course, is fantastic. It seems to me like he's probably going to lock yeah. it up um, and, and get that vote. But what were your thoughts just on the MVP race overall and sort of the perceptions and takes that you saw on that? Yeah, it definitely got ugly this year. It got less yeah. fun than ever to be a part yeah. of it, which was... You know, it's kind of an interesting debate yeah. in Denver. Do we care about the MVP? Because Jokic's back-to-back -back MVPs came in this weird sort of purgatory stretch where expectations were minimal for some folks non-existent with the injuries Denver had. And so the MVPs were almost so detached from their journey to a potential championship and had so little to do with the end goal and the winning that at the start of the season – it's should we even care? Because does he even care? Does the team even care? I wanted to because it's fun. We talk about sports, you know, for a living at DNVR. For sure. It's, you know, if you can't have an MVP conversation, I think it's a little weird. Most people want right. to have that conversation. Of course. So I wanted to care, but I, I ended up having such a hard time doing it for several reasons. I, you know, I thought, I think there was an unspoken agreement not to get weird about the race thing with Jokic. Like everyone just kind of, everyone knows how the internet goes and it was like a delicate thing <laughs> that no one touched. And then Perk just took a sledgehammer <laughs> to the dam and uh, ruined yeah. discourse for everyone for a few months. So that was tough. And then I think it kind of broke Jokic's heart a little bit 
I'm speaking for him when I shouldn't. That's definitely not a quote, but I think it's real that he, I don't want to say threw it away, but I think he geared down for sure. I don't think he wanted to be at the heart of the conversation if that was the cost. And I do think in his mind, there was a little bit, all right, that's old stuff. Let's just, let's just go in the title. I wish it had been more fun. Also, it's really cool that it's three bigs, the finalists again, not just the finalists, but the only three guys who really were ever truly up for the award in in the three point era. It's now Embiid takes jumpers, but these are three guys that do not live and die by the three. It's such a cool thing to see them dominating and Embiid to finally get it should be this thing that's celebrated and not this weird, like, Oh, he really wanted it. And there was this sympathy thing and, I do think he really wanted it, but I also think he deserved it. So I think everyone was done a disservice by the way it all spiraled down the drain. Yeah. It's, it's sort of this weird, I don't know if it, it just seems like, um, I don't know, like you're not being humble. If you just come out and say you want to win MVP. I mean, what player doesn't want to be MVP? Like, can we just be real? I I like, I like that you brought that up because Jokic, I think to whatever extent you, you don't doesn't, but I also think that can be overstated. Like, yeah. I don't think he hated that he won them. I'll tell you that. Nobody and, would say he's unselfish. Right, right. <laughs> so I I actually didn't like, you know, of all the things. Because unfortunately, you just start, it, you pit camps against each other, right? And, and so even in the media, it becomes a bit of like, oh, those Embiid and those Philly people over there. But uh, I actually <laughs> think it's, I think it's cool that Embiid wants it. Yeah, I don't see any problem with that. I I like that he took that head-to-head matchup in Philly so seriously. I wish he had played the Denver one, but I I don't think there's any shame in wanting it. Um, I will say just what it became to represent, what it began to represent, was I think something that Jokic eventually just wanted nothing to do with. Is that a negative, though? Something that really, you said, really stood out to me in terms of that that criticism and the pressure, you kind of gear down. And we don't usually see athletes do that. You usually see criticism motivate them. And in this case, it did the opposite. So in a case of, you know, a lot of pressure, especially if the Nuggets get past the Suns and if they, you know, are in the NBA Finals. And then, you know, there's what if people are saying, hey, Giannis is the clear better player than the Joker. Like, is that sure. going to get to him? Like, is that a concern? Not so much about MVP, but just his psyche generally when everything's on the line, game seven, where there's so much pressure. Great, great question. I think it's a fair sort of area to examine in terms of a potential criticism. On the first layer of it, just on a very small surface layer, I would say yes. I would say the difference between Jokic and Giannis, more so everyone would say defense. Of course, that exists. But the bigger difference just in terms of night-to-night impact, again, Jokic is a back-to-back MVP, so let me not get carried away with any criticism. But there are just games where Jokic decides he's like, look, this isn't in the in the grand scheme of things. This is not important. And you can see his play sort of follow suit. Whereas I think there is an expectation with Giannis, really even in March, if you take the court alongside Giannis in March or October, he's going to play just as hard, you know, from the end, from the start of the game to the end. And I think as a role player, it drags some of that out of you as well. Whereas part of the reason I think maybe why the nuggets are prone to letting their foot off the gas every now and then shorter win streaks. I think that's a reflection of their best player. Now, to bring it back to the specific question you asked, 
I don't think this would rear its head when we're talking about what does matter, winning time. Winning matters very much to Jokic. And so I think the whole point is that the MVP award, a cool thing to win, has nothing to do with winning itself. And for him, that validation came when they were not winning any playoff series. So what the hell does he care, especially if it's going to become a race issue? Game seven, he will care. I promise you that. And that stuff will motivate him. I think this time around, it's just maybe in his mind more to more to lose than gain by leaning into the whole dynamic. Yeah, I just think from like a fan perspective, just NBA fan in general, I mean, we had, you know, uh, Brendan, I, I don't know how old you are, but Justin and I certainly like raised on 90s basketball, like sure. kind of the tail end of those center rivalries and things like that. How cool would it have been just from a fun, competitive standpoint if, you know, Embiid is saying, I want MVP, and Jokic is saying, like, I'll see you in Denver, come get it, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, just, you know, not any sort of uh, negative, not threatening type of thing, but just a competitive man-to-man sure. athletic competition thing, which is what we're all here for in the NBA anyway. No, I, I, I think it, it would have been 11. Awesome. <laughs> I, I think it would have been awesome. It's... It's a weird thing because I don't I don't know how much this detracts from Jokic's mindset and ability to win a title. Oh sure, yeah. But I think from the fan kind of watching 82 games just hoping for the most competitive every Jokic I think can gear down in ways that can be a bit disappointing. I mean it's again he also won back-to-back MVPs and very nearly won a third. He's unbelievable, and he does mostly bring it every night. There's there, But I think the whole thing, from the discourse to the media, the basketball, I think it starts to get a little exhausting for him in a way that, like Giannis seems to have an insatiable appetite for the whole thing. Not just the work and the basketball, but talking to the media, being, being in the national spotlight, Agreed. doing the Google ads. And I do think for Jokic, there's a much stronger sense of like, all right, man, when do the playoffs start? Enough with the other stuff. So it's, again, does it does it make him less of a winner? I don't think so. But it's a it makes him a different guy to follow through something like an MVP race for sure. So this discussion is very fascinating because I think it leads to my next question of basically if they don't win the title mm. and if they fall short of expectations, even, you know, I think it's sports there. We have like expectations and then they exceed expectations, but ultimately if they don't win the championship, there is disappointment there. So there's a point to where they're in the finals and they, you know, we see Giannis and Jokic meet up and Giannis gets the better of him, even though mm. they had a great season and into the first appearance in the NBA finals, Giannis gets the better of him. You know, that's how the sports narrative will take place in sure. terms of second guessing him. So do you think long-term wise, he is, I guess, I don't want to use, I'm going to try not to say that because I, I think that's disrespectful, but do you think with, with the Joker in the future, he can, I guess withstand the criticism if they fell short because yes. to me it just it just seems to me like I'm worried that ultimately this 
him not winning the big one, quote unquote, will ultimately lead him to leave Denver, which will be such a shame because I think he's such a great pillar for this team and great for the NBA for him being, you know, with this franchise. But at the same time, you know, like you said, all these expectations, the whole narrative of back to back and then ultimately the championship, he falls short. Like, and you see compared to Giannis where it motivated him, I right. have serious questions whether or not his, this, his future with this team is going to be solidified just from his perspective and from the franchise itself. That's, I'm glad you asked that question because I'd like to sort of clean up sure. exactly what it was I was trying to articulate. Criticism doesn't rattle Jokic in a vacuum. I think specifically the, the race stuff. I think being attached to that bumped him out in a way. Again, I'm also not – I cover Jokic for a living. I am not in his inner circle. Sure. So these are guesses. These are some projections. Some of it he tells us in the scrums, right? But just to be clear, I don't want to speak for the guy. Um, but I think I do think that that stuff made him uncomfortable, that particular element of it. And again, like when it comes down to it, what is a third MVP award, especially if you haven't won anything? Like, so it just doesn't. I think this is where some of the European basketball mindset is clicking. Like, he simply has a different value system than we do. We love the MVP stuff. He doesn't. He just doesn't. You know, I don't think he minds winning it. I think it's fun and cool, but it's not, he's not wired that way, if that makes sense. I don't think the very notion of criticism upsets him. I actually think he doesn't catch most of it. He's not particularly online. I'm sure people in his life are, and they send it to him and all of that. But I think he's a very, like, his life is pretty contained to the stuff he's interested in and the stuff he likes. So I don't know if the noise, really breaks him down that much. I think it was specifically what the conversation was that turned him off. The leaving Denver part, I think every mid to small market person has said this about the respective star in town. I'd be blown away if Jokic ever leaves. And I think part of it is this. He's not just Serbian. He's from Sombor. He's like a slow rural Serbian. Like Jokic is so whatever like LeBron James in LA is, Jokic is on the very far end of, of the spectrum. And <laughs> he is settled in Denver and he knows where he can go and find his peace and quiet, right? He knows what his spots are. He knows who to reach out for. He knows how to be a star without being a celebrity in this town. And I would, I don't think he would ever start that process over. Honestly, I think things would have to go so poorly here for him to feel like it's worth it to uproot his life and do the American transplant thing all over again from scratch. Because I do think, like I said earlier, I think he just finds so much of this exhausting. And that is, I think that's more the fear than is he going to leave? There's always the back of your mind. Like, does he like this? You know, is how long is he going to keep doing this? I think the basketball part itself, he likes enough that we don't have to worry about it. But I, I think he stays in Denver probably for his entire career. And I think that is interesting because it kind of ties in line, you know, with Giannis extending with the Bucks when that was kind of unexpected to some folks in the media when, when he signed that long-term extension. You know, Damian Lillard has been in Portland for his whole career to this point. Now, I know there's talk just about every off season with Damian Lillard, yeah. it seems, but yeah. do you think it's, it's kind of becoming a, a trend more and more so in the NBA for maybe a, a greater probability that these stars stay put to their franchises? I, I wonder that. Yeah. I think the younger generation maybe seems 
they just just seem to generally be bucking the kind of LeBron era way of business, you know, and they're not he's this is what happens when he's been in the league for 40,000 years like LeBron has. <laughs> but you look at Memphis like those guys aren't uh, maybe they had his poster on his wall at some point on their walls, but they're not scared of them. Right. And they're talking mm-hmm. trash and they're not. And I think the whole like super team thing, like guys like jaw and guys like Anthony Edwards, I'm really curious to see how they handle it because they seem to be wired a little differently. It's comments about wanting to the lead to be more competitive in terms of playing and availability at all-star break. I love that. That's very easy for, a 21 year old, you know, number one overall pick. Like I'm sure his body feels fine, but I, I just, his attitude, I'm curious to see if uh, that is a reflection of maybe a general attitude shift for the next generation. We don't want super teams. We don't need to move around a hundred times. You know, I rep this city. Let's go get it done. I wonder too, do you think Dirk Nowitzki and what he did in Dallas, um, has a big impression on Jokic. I mean, I know Jokic, Serbian, Novitski from from Germany, but European that came over, stuck with that one franchise, got it done. He's got a statue in front of that arena, of course, and and is an icon in Dallas. I mean, it it seems like in a lot of cases, I wonder if it's better quality of life-wise and some of the things that you mentioned with Jokic and what he prefers I mean, to be a legend in Denver, play there your right. whole career, sounds appealing to me, but but I know maybe not all stars have the same sensibility, certainly, or opportunity. Well, we we use the Dirk comp a lot, you know, particularly because I think should Jokic even just get one in Denver, it will have that kind of effect on his career. No one criticizes Dirk anymore. No one. And it's funny, if you, if you get up to three or four, you almost enter this territory of like, well, why don't you have six? You know what right. I mean? And Dirk, <laughs> Dirk is Dirk is in this this almost universally beloved. Like no one thought he would get it done there, and he got it done. So leave him alone. And you know, Denver in their NBA history, they have never been to a finals. This is their first ever one seed. So there's a lot of potential for a Dirk esque kind of narrative unfolding for Jokic. I think the guy that he himself looks to, and the guy he's named the most, is Tim Duncan. Um, same sort of thing in terms of sticking around the whole time. I think the quiet leader thing. But Jokic has mentioned explicitly on more than one occasion that if it were up to him, he would just be the Tim Duncan of the Denver Nuggets. So that's I think that's where his head is at. Um, I think he, pre- again, another difference maybe between the American and the European thing, like this concept of team and, okay, we fell short this year, but what's the process of not just who do we get in free agency, but what's the process of, how do we get better at those things? I think Jokic is kind of obsessed with that stuff uh, in a more, you know, uh, immediate way than almost wins or losses. Uh, just the process of it, I think, is really where he he finds the meat on the bone. Um, I have one last question for you, Brendan, and it's something that you, you really said it really I want to ask you, and uh, we had uh, Mike Greenberg on, and we talked about sports debate and what you brought about the MVP about race being factored into it. I think there's a narrative of like, you know, ESPN, that being toxic debate and that not being the actual discourse, but from what you've said, that's actually had a real effect from what Kendrick Perkins has said. I right. think overall, do you see that changing 
in terms of the actual discourse of this sports debate in the future. Because what comes to mind, I see J.J. Reddick. I see him pulling his hair. I see him really trying. I really like J.J. Reddick. I think he's one of the best analysts <laughs> of the game. But I see him trying to fight like the machine. Like there's like this the man. He's trying to fight like right. Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins sure. and all this like terrible talk. And he's just pulling his hair out. Um, do you think we'll see more players like him trying to take over this like, BS narratives that we hear all the time, not only from ESPN, but the sports talk radio as a whole. It's tough because for every JJ Reddick, then there's also the actual literal Kendrick Perkins across yes, the desk exactly, or a Ryan Hollins or whatever. Yeah. And by the way, these guys are entitled to it's sports, yeah. you know, even with the Jokic thing, which I think got into, it's going to push what I'm about to say to the very limit. I also think like it's, if some people just want to be, um tmz about like whatever okay it's a game i that doesn't do it for me but i'm not gonna get too you know moralistic or i don't need to police anyone i wonder how much it'll change i don't think that corner of it will ever change i think debate tv on espn is what it is for the foreseeable future but as you as you fellas well know the landscape is just changing every day like in terms of do you actually watch TV? Is sports media for you something that's entirely digital and online, um, especially locally? Like I'm proud of what we do at DNVR, but everyone seems to have some version of could be the Hoopsology pod, the Locked On Network, right? Or the All City Network that I work for. There's just all these different options you have to, to whatever it is that you're looking for in Hoops analysis. I think it probably exists somewhere. So I just anticipate more creators stepping up to the plate in other mediums, as we've seen over the last 20 years. No, completely true. Brendan, thank you very much for joining us. Can you please let our audience know where they can find you on social media, um, what's new on DNVR, and what other projects you're working on as well? Sure. Yeah. So the DNVR.com is the website. You can follow us at DNVR Nuggets on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. Uh, but follow us for this playoff run pre and post game shows for every nuggets game written content. If you are into the nuggets, we are doing everything we can to bring you content every single day. So check us out. If you're tired of hearing ESPN's version of what's going on in Denver and you just want to know what's actually going on in Denver, we humbly invite you to join us in the DNVR community. Awesome. Brendan, this has been a great chat. Thank you very much for taking it. Thank you. It was very fun. Appreciate it. Hoopsology podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best, as you know, in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code HOOPSOLOGY at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and all man is a game changer. A huge shout out goes to Manscaped for hooking Matt and I up with the Performance Package. Inside this package, you'll find a lot of useful items. You'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that you've probably heard of before. You'll also find their new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. You'll find Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner. Don't sleep on those products, gentlemen. Performance Boxer Briefs and a Travel Bag. And 
for my bearded brethren, and I know there are a lot of you out there, be sure to check out the new Beard Hedger, which is a tool that makes managing your beard so much easier. 20 different instantly adjustable length options, no more messing with multiple clips with your trimmer. It's a really slick and ingenious product. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hoopsology. That's H-O-O-P-S-O-L-O-G-Y at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Hoopsology. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We thank Manscaped for supporting the show. Our goal today is to get through these series, give you guys our picks and kind of some keys to the series, why we're picking what we're picking. And before we get started to that, just wanted to give a shout out to all the new listeners, subscribers on all our platforms, YouTube, um, the podcast, anywhere you're listening to podcasts and on social media, we've seen another great month of growth. Uh, so really appreciate you all supporting the show. But now it's time to get into this. So I mentioned we have our bracket set. I'll pull that up on the video side. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you can sort of make out <laughs> in this small print what's going on here in the series. And Justin, if it's okay with you, I want to start out West, breaking down that conference first. And in the 1-8 seed, we've got Denver versus Minnesota. Minnesota knocked out the Oklahoma City Thunder. Unfortunately, I was, I was really pulling for the Thunder to get in there. But they knocked him out in the playoff tournament play-in tournament yesterday. And so we have this as our 1-8 matchup. And I'll throw to you first. Who are you picking in this series? Do you are you bold enough to take the Denver slump upset, <laughs> or where are you going with this? No, not at all. Um, you'll see you later. <laughs> um, they are a huge pick of mine, but I won't spoil it. But at least for this first round, uh, pretty easy to say that the Timberwolves have had a lot of turmoil as of late, a lot of injuries. If you just separate what happened with the uh, altercation with Rudy Gobert, he's dealing with injuries anyways. So I think it's going to be um, a clear uh, victory for the Denver Nuggets. Let me just pull up my um, – I do think so in this series. I, I have given them, the Timberwolves a little bit of respect. I picked Denver in six. Um, I just feel like sometimes Denver goes through a lot of trouble in the playoffs in terms of getting their groove. They don't seem like a favorite sometimes. And I think this might be a series where it gets some trouble. But if Rudy Gobert is out for, you know, more than a, a game or two, it's I think they have a chance for the sweep. But if Gobert is in there, if Carl Anthony Towns is in there, it all it depends on health. If the Timberwolves are decently healthy, I could see it going six. That, that's what I picked. But uh, regardless, I see the Nuggets moving on. How about you? We see eye to eye on this. I also picked Denver in six. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> one thing I wanted to mention was – we had some epic battles back when the Jazz had Rudy Gobert. There were some epic playoff games and regular season games between the Nuggets and Jazz. So you're getting a renewal of this Gobert-Jokic, if you can even call it, much of a rivalry. Uh, we're, we're renewing that, so that could be fun. Of course, Donovan Mitchell was also big in, <laughs> in those series. But yeah, I think I picked Nuggets in six just kind of because I think the Wolves early on could give them some trouble with their athleticism, particularly with Anthony Edwards. But I, I do think the Nuggets are just the better overall team. And of course, they've got the best player in the series. And I do think they're 
better coached as well. Um, so there may be a little bit of rust with Denver still, but this is a good team to warm up against. And I really don't see the Timberwolves as a threat to win the series and upset them. Like everyone was kind of wondering if, if the nuggets might pull, you know, a, a 2000s Dallas Mavericks and, and lose like that one eight against the Warriors like they did. Um, so let's move forward since we have agreement on that and we'll go into the two seven series, which I think this one might be more controversial. We'll see. You already know what I picked. Um, we had a little little back and forth in our uh, our group chat about this series when we were talking about playoff picks but we've got the memphis grizzlies and the two seed versus the los angeles lakers the the revived back from the dead los angeles lakers started the season two and ten had something like a 0.3 percent chance of making the playoffs and they did it they battled through credit to them especially after the trade deadline i believe they went 19 and 8 and secured their postseason spot i'll go ahead and lead with this one since you led with the last one, I am not buying into the Lakers hype. There are some folks that are picking the Lakers. And I know Vegas also has the Lakers fairly high, given their seed uh, as odds to get to the Western Conference finals and maybe even be the Western Conference representative in in the NBA finals. But I, I don't see it going that way. I think Memphis is coaching is better i think their athleticism is better i know they have injuries to brandon clark and and stephen adams but i still like the grizzlies and i picked them in six how do you see this series breaking down um i concur with you i think this is gonna be very boring mm. <laughs> i picked the grizzlies in six i i don't see what the lakers there's a chance for them to change my mind when they play the timberwolves in the playing game if they had a dominant victory, but that game went into overtime and the Lakers were healthy. <laughs> Timberwolves were in, like, they're in disarray right now. Like they, they barely won that game. So I don't understand how you can then pick them over a, a Memphis Grizzlies team unless something bizarre happens with John Moran. Then all bets are off. But um, like you said, I, I just don't see the, the Lakers as this, this upset. I get it. They have the stars. And I think we'll get to it later with the Golden State Warriors. I feel my bias is with them, not with the Lakers. So I get it why people are picking Los Angeles to have, you know, a prolonged run compared to what the expectations were. But um, like yourself, I don't see it. Yeah, I I think I, I'm glad you bring that up because people are freaking out about the Lakers getting an overtime win. And that was the game where Rudy Gobert was suspended. They, yeah. they didn't even have Rudy Gobert. <laughs> right. so like if, if you're not making easy work of them. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. Also, friend of the show, guest of the show, Seth Partnow. I don't know if you saw this, but he was talking about uh, LeBron's sort of declining efficiency and declining free throw rate. That's another big reason why I'm I'm picking the Grizzlies here is because if they can relegate LeBron to a jump shooter, he's only shooting, I believe it's 30.9% from three-point range this season uh which is his lowest since like 2015 2016 and if if he is relegated to a jump shooter that's transition baskets for the grizzlies who are very good at running the court and i i think they can run fast enough that they can tire the lakers out i i don't think the lakers are 
even though they were a fast-paced team to start the season, we saw that that didn't really serve them well record-wise. That's when things were a catastrophe there. So anyway, we agree on that. Interesting. Um, it, it's always weird kind of picking against guys who have had so much success in the past, you know, with LeBron and, and certainly AD to an extent. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't trust them. Let's go to, speaking of, you brought up the Warriors. That's who I want to talk about next. The Kings, the darlings of the Western Conference playoffs to many, get the unfortunate draw of the defending champion Golden State Warriors. So we have Kings in the three seed. They'll have home court at least, but they're going against the Golden State Warriors. But I guess that's a fair point to bring up is that the Warriors have been terrible on the road this season. Um especially for this core of players they've they've been especially bad been a tumultuous season for the the warriors obviously started with draymond punching jordan pool that whole controversy and it's been kind of up and down but much like the lakers got their stuff together the warriors got their stuff together as well i'll throw it to you first for this one justin how how do you see this who are you picking in this series um i'm picking golden state i think this series comes down to to really both teams i don't know if you'll call it achilles heels but two x factors one how the kings are going to perform in the playoffs and like you said how the golden state warriors are going to perform on the road it's tough i i picked the warriors in seven um, i think it's gonna be a long dragged out series but to me when it comes down to a series that's really close i go with the team with the most proven superstars and that's the golden state warriors I think the Kings in this environment, I think they're unproven and, and, and I'd rather be wrong than to pick them, to be honest. <laughs> I know that's a weird logic, but um, until they prove me otherwise, I just can't pick the Kings over the, the Warriors, even though the Warriors struggle on the road. Everything's against them, but again, I think the Warriors are at full strength. Anything could happen in the playoffs. It's just a different pressure. It's just different. Uh, we've seen teams crack under that too. That is a factor. So um, I think this would be a good learning experience for the Kings. Disappointing, uh, but nevertheless, I, I think this will benefit them in the long term. How many games do you see it going? Oh, it's seven. 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 Yeah, Golden right State. on. Golden State seven. Yeah. So Warriors winning on the road in seven. I agree with you as well. I've I have the Warriors in six, and to me, it's it's just a matter that Steph Curry is healthy. And, and I think that's a real threat. The Kings are also not a good defensive team. So I think it's just bad from a matchup perspective. I think the Warriors are a little bit better defensively than the Kings. Uh, I think coaching may be about even this season with, I, I mean, you got to give respect to what Mike Brown has done, but also Mike Brown was an assistant under the Warriors. So that's kind of an interesting fold with this. Maybe he's got some secrets. He, he's he got the lowdown on the Warriors, and he'll be able to surprise us. But I don't see that happening. And I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a, a heartbreaking experience in Sacramento. I just can't pick them over the Warriors. And I'm not even all that high on the Warriors overall. I do think it, there's a big chance that they lose in the second round. Uh, I, I think this is a year that they're they're getting a little bit worn down i don't see them pushing through the western conference but um but there we have it so i've got warriors in six justin's got warriors in seven let's move on to our last series in the first round the last matchup here the number four Suns 
versus the number five Clippers. Unfortunately, we don't get Paul George in this series. That's kind of the big to do about this, the big headline right now. And because of that, I mean, I'm giving Kawhi the respect of one game. I've never been a big believer in the Clippers anyway, just because can't really trust the health of the star players and the roster overall. It's just throughout the season. I mean, we've, we've talked about it with guests over and over again. I mean, this is just a rotating cast of players. And I think Ty Lue is a great coach. I certainly buy into that, but when you don't have availability, it's, it's chaos. And, and I feel for him in having to deal with that all season and I know it's been frustrating for Kawhi, even some of the load management things. It's not like he's trying to duck out of games. Uh, they have Kawhi for the series, so I'll give them one game. But that uh, that leads to Phoenix in five for me. Uh, I see a pretty dominant showing from the Suns, and and that's that's honestly it. I mean, I think this Suns team is loaded. They are the Vegas favorites to represent the West in the finals. And as long as their star core, their their big four of players are healthy, then I have to kind of subscribe to that for the time being. And we'll see how that changes. How do you see this series going? Yeah, this was a weird series because I knew I, I think I knew where I was going to go in terms of the winner, but not how many games. And ultimately, I just think the Suns have been inconsistent, but I'm picking them in seven. Um, I get I get what you said. I co-signed everything that you said, but I think that the Suns they are inconsistent we'll see with durant but i think you're right ultimately um i think it's gonna be too much for the clippers to handle um and i think with Kawhi leonard i just think with the clippers they're always dangerous and i think that's why they're gonna push them um to seven games but ultimately i do see the suns prevailing and, and moving on but i do think this series is gonna take a bit out of them um so we'll see this is a very important series for the suns i think to kind of take care of business and move on and not just linger for six or seven games I think it's going to really benefit them for the kind of the handle the Clippers pretty quickly. I think if it goes longer, it's probably going to be a detriment um, towards the later rounds. And by inconsistent, do you mean just like their their past playoffs and and those kinds of things? Because I mean, I I think they haven't lost a game since they got KD. I mean, if they have KD guess, playing, they haven't lost yet. Yeah, good clarification. I think it just comes down to just. Some of their past playoff history, I think, in terms of last year, how things unfolded. I think, of course, with Chris Paul, his injuries were all no. Going back to Houston, where what happens with him to wear and tear on his body and how important he is to a team. So I guess that's what I mean is the inconsistency in the playoffs, not necessarily like the streak heading into it. Um, thank you for clarifying. Um, but yeah, I think that's a genuine concern of mine, at least in terms of how things are going to play off. However, when you have Kevin Durant, that is a great equalizer, even if, you know, Chris Paul does get hurt. So um, yeah, that's a for great sure for them. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point And well said, I mean, uh, Chris Paul definitely gives the most concern about that team, like moving forward in the playoffs. So you're hundred percent, right. I mean, if, if they can get out of that series very quickly, because then in round two, based on our picks, they would play the nuggets and that honestly should have been like a Western Conference Finals type of, of matchup, but we'll get it in the second round. 
Um, I mean, arguably, of course, depending on how you see the playoffs unfolding. But um, let's look at the Eastern Conference now. We're making good time buzzing through these. And I want to look at that 1-8 seed. Um, I think this one's pretty simple. Milwaukee versus the Miami Heat in that one versus eight. The Bucks are, I would argue, the best team in the NBA. Uh, the They have more depth than the Suns. And yes, there's been a little bit of up and down in, in terms of their win-loss, but I don't think there's anything serious you can take from that, especially not moving into a first round matchup with the heat who have been wildly inconsistent, kind of clawed, clawed their way into this eight seed. Um, Justin, I know you're going to be rooting for the bucks to take out the heat quickly because of what they did <laughs> to the bulls or maybe not, but uh how do you see this unfolding? How many games do you have the Bucks winning in? <laughs> yeah, I see the Bucks in five. Uh, I don't. I think yes. with the Bulls, just to put a bow on it, like that was their note outcome. I think if they were to beat the Heat, it's just like, what are we doing? Like you're going to get destroyed by the Bucks. Like what? Just <laughs> I think that the outcome that happened with the Bulls losing to the Heat, I think that's the best case scenario. I think. Unfortunately, just with their roster, I just don't see how much improvement they can make until Alonzo Ball comes back. I don't know when that's going to happen. But uh, nevertheless, in terms of the series, um, I, I just do see the Bucks just handling the Heat. The Heat, to me, weren't that impressive against Chicago. They weren't that impressive just this entire season, especially for being, I think, the one seed last year. Um, or at least, or we, or at least we know being, you know, very close to going to the NBA Finals um, just due to what happened with Jimmy Butler. So I just... Don't see how the Heat have any type of a chance in this series at all, other than maybe just a Butler, just 40-point explosion if they get one game. Yeah, definitely keep your eyes on the Heat as a, a Luka destination, potentially, because yeah. I think next season they're going to make sure that they have the cap room in place. I don't know if they'll do anything big this offseason, but they're going to be prepping for that. I'm with you. I had Bucks in five as well. I, Giannis is incredible. That's a great team. I, I mean, I don't think there's much more to say. Let's look at the next matchup in the Eastern Conference. And that is Boston versus the Atlanta Hawks. This one may be my most disrespectful pick of the postseason. So I'll go ahead and uh, just come out with it. I, I think the Celtics are going to dominate the Hawks. I, I think they know all they need to do is make sure Trey Young doesn't let his teammates get off. I think you just let Trey Young do just about whatever he wants to do. I mean, if, if Trey Young is shooting 30 times a game, I'm cool with that. If I'm Celtics, I'm just trying not to let them uh, get other players on fire for that. But I've got the Celtics in four. This is the only series that I picked as a sweep here. I even gave the heat, the, uh, the gentleman's sweep of, of getting one win, but I, I don't know. I just see this as a really bad matchup for Atlanta. I don't think they have answers for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see this end pretty quickly. I mean, maybe if the Celtics relax, that's where I could see the Hawks winning the game, but matchup wise, not sold on it at all, even though I do think Quinn Snyder is a great get for Atlanta as a coach. I just don't think they have the pieces to work with to to 
challenge the Celtics. How do you see the series going down? Yeah, I concur. Um, I see the Celtics winning in four games, lots of turmoil with the Hawks, rumors of Trey Young, trade rumors, um, just lots of turmoil. <laughs> We've had Pat Benson on. He said it was like a pure disaster. I give it, give credit to this team. I mean, a lot of other teams would have just folded, given up. I mean, look at the Dallas Mavericks, right? True. I mean, we referenced True. them a bunch. They even make the playoffs. So give credit to the Hawks. They fought, and at least they, they're competitive. I mean, through all That's the true. turmoil, I mean, I would say the Mavericks, they have two of the best players in the league. And the Hawks, I mean, they're pretty underrated with the roster, despite the turmoil, but still, I mean, we have Kyrie and Luka. Um, but again, in saying that, I think the Celtics too strong, too experienced, too much depth, and um, it'll be a miracle if they win one game. And it might have a chance <laughs> for Trey Young. You never know if he goes for 60, you know, who knows. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't see it. I see Boston in four. All right. So Atlanta, if you guys win – in game three, you make sure you storm the court. It's, right. it's a miracle. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You and I are on the same page there. And I, I do think that is interesting. I, I don't know where you would move Trey Young. And honestly, I don't know what you would get him for. But I would be in favor of, of trading him if I were an Atlanta fan. Or you got to make something big happen. Because I don't think he can be your number one star. Um if you want to have hopes at a title. Um, but let's move forward. We can talk about more. We can talk about Trey Young more at a future date. Um, let's look at our three versus six series in the East. The Philadelphia 76ers, another team that I feel kind of like the Clippers. I, I feel like I've, I've never gotten too high on this team in terms of postseason. I'm probably the highest on them now than I've ever been just because of the consistent play from Joel Embiid. I do believe he's going to win MVP and he's certainly, he's certainly deserving based on his performance. I've, we have three guys in this league that are deserving of MVP this season. Um, and I think Embiid's going to get it against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they have had some great play from Mikhail Bridges of late. Uh, he's, I, I don't know. I guess there is like an argument as to whether it's one of those cases where, well, somebody has to score or is this guy a standout? But when you're when you're getting like 40 point games on a regular basis, you know, there I think there's a case um, that he's got some star potential moving forward. We'll see what happens. Uh, Justin, why don't you go ahead and lead us on this one? How do you see this going down? Yeah, um, after a minute, I'm pretty much dismissing Brooklyn in this series. I do think I do give them some respect in, <clears throat> in terms of winning one game. I picked Philly in five. I think what's interesting is that um, I interviewed Mike Sielski of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, and you'll hear that interview a little bit later. We talked about Kobe's legacy, but we also talked about a lot about the Sixers. And he surprised me with the expectations of this team, especially Philly being a hardcore fan base. He said that expectations were kind of low, that it wasn't like a championship huh. or bust situation. So I think this is going to be a series where we can really gauge how much of a favorite the Sixers are. If they struggle against this Brooklyn team, I think that's pretty indicative of what we can expect the rest of the playoffs. And if they if they destroy them, I think that really improves their resume of their regular season and their expectations moving forward as a 
for favorite to to win it all. So I think this is a very important series to watch because really Brooklyn has nothing to play for. Their roster was decimated due to trades. They're in a you know rebuilding phase, and this is kind of you know all gravy here in terms of their success. So evaluating talent for the future. Um, this is an important uh, series for the Sixers to make a statement. So, and I do think they're going to make that statement with Embiid as long as he stays healthy. I think that's the biggest question is wear and tear on his body. And I think you and I know he wants it. I think he has a desire not only to be the MVP, but to win the championship. And ultimately this is a series that to, to intimidate the other teams based on this series for Embiid. So I know he doesn't mind doing that. So I, that's what I expect. And that's why I picked the Sixers at five. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I have the Sixers winning in six. I don't know. There's just something. I, I just see the Nets like kind of being this this sort of frisky team. I, I don't give them any serious chance of winning the series. I, I think that would be an absolute disaster in Philadelphia, certainly, if that happened. And nobody's expecting anything from the Nets. I I don't know. I just see their their wing play maybe getting out of control and, and scoring uh, to a, a great degree in two of those games. Um, but I'm with you. I think the Sixers will still look dominant. I guess another reason I'm just kind of hesitant still about Doc Rivers in the postseason, but certainly they should get past this first round. And, and the Sixers have been very good this year. So to Doc Rivers credit as well, they've been, they've been very, very steadily at the top of the Eastern conference. And um, yeah, I, I expect them to go pretty deep in the playoffs. So we're on the same page with this matchup. Now our last matchup in the first round, and maybe honestly the most intriguing most entertaining one we've got the cleveland cavaliers at the four seed versus the knicks at the five seed a series that we talked about a long time ago um and many of our guests as sort of a wish list kind of round one series and it it happened it came true the knicks got to that five seed they leapfrogged the brooklyn nets as expected and Cleveland was kind of locked into that four seed a while back. So we get this great matchup. Donovan Mitchell has been on the short list of MVP candidates. I think outside of that top three, he's, he's probably number four for many people based on how he has impacted that team coming to them uh, after this offseason, as, as you all remember. I think this series is going to be close. And I think I just like... Cleveland starters a little bit better than the Knicks. I think the Knicks may actually be better defensively. I just don't think they have as much firepower offensively. And defense matters a little bit more in the playoffs compared to the regular season, at, at least historically, even in the modern era, you get away with a little bit more contact that benefits the Knicks. I would probably, if this were like regular season circumstances, I'd probably pick Cleveland in six. But because this is the postseason and because I think there's going to be all this energy around the Knicks, I, I think it's a it's not not like a conspiracy type of thing I'm talking, but but I do think there is sort of like a momentum that you can feel in the series where the refs are kind of like, well, we're not going to call 
that type of contact to foul in this series. I think that stuff benefits the Knicks. So long story short, I've got Cleveland still winning, but I think it's going to take seven games. How do you see this going down, Justin? Are you bold enough to pick the Knicks over the Cavaliers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I, this is very boring because I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> I think this could be a close series. You, you pretty much summed up what I was going to say. The only thing I would add is, you know, Julius Randle's health. Uh, you mm. know, he is the linchpin of this team, and he's been For questionable sure. in terms of, you know, the injuries he's been battling. So that's where I'm hesitant. But at the same time, you know, it's Madison Square Garden. There's magic there. That is arguably the best home court. I don't know. It's just comes kind of magic mojo that I think if you're not a basketball fan, you kind of don't understand that compared to the other teams in the league. So I think that's a factor in this series, but I think Cleveland's going to be too much. And I don't think Julius Randle's going to hold up through this series, but it could be wrong. I think it's going to be, I agree with you, Matt, uh, really besides the, this one. And then the Kings and the Warriors are my two most looking forward to series. Right on. All right. We are coming to the end here. We have gotten through all our first round series. I want to kind of leapfrog, you know, let's not go into second round analysis or conference final analysis till that stuff finalizes and materializes. But based on preseason predictions, I believe I had nuggets versus bucks. I know for sure I was very high on the bucks. I had Giannis as my MVP at the start of the season. Uh, I'm going to definitely hold to my Bucks prediction and I'm going to hold to my Nuggets prediction. I do think if the Suns are healthy, they'll beat the Nuggets. So, hmm. you know, I guess it kind of depends. It My prediction relies on the Suns not being consistent, what you mentioned earlier with your consistency concerns with them. But I'm going to go ahead and and stick with my pick Nuggets versus Bucks. Who do you see, doesn't have to be based on preseason or whatever, who do you see making it to the finals just from, from this starting point and from what we've seen this season? Again, we're boring because I agree with you. Half <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nuggets and Bucks. I just think they're the two best teams in the NBA. I do think the Nuggets will break through this year, but I have the Bucks winning you know, in the NBA finals. I just don't see that changing. Uh, but I, th I think this is a a rite of passage for Jokic, you know, I, I think this is a year in a series playoff series run where they have to go to the NBA finals or what, what else are they? I think it'd be some serious questions with the Joker there and facing Giannis. I don't, I think it's the first time in the NBA finals I'm willing to give, you know, the nuggets as a complete franchise kind of the benefit of the doubt. That is very intimidating to play into the finals is different. And with the bucks having that experience, especially with Giannis, I, I don't see them overcoming that. That's why I picked the bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I see that play in the same way. Do you think, what do you think about my, my take on the healthy sons? Do you think the nuggets can take them straight up? Sounds like you have maybe a little more confidence in that than, than I do. I do, but I think it's a toss-up. I mean, that's always a <clears throat> huge rivalry, but I just think the Suns, I know with Kevin Durant being there, that is a huge X factor, I think. That changes everything, and I think that poises them to, in my mind, it would be an upset for them to beat the Nuggets. Um, however, you know, I have concerns based on the Suns' previous history. But Kevin Durant being there is a whole, it's a, it's a massive X factor. So I, I do, con <clears throat> do concur that if the Suns are able to uh, meet them, that they are poised for that upset for sure. But I, I think I've still picked the Nuggets, but it wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Suns were to pull that off. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see play out. And and like we mentioned earlier, we might get that. Well, we will get that in the second round if thing, things go by paper um, how they should go. So uh, that will be uh, maybe the most pivotal matchup <laughs> in the Western Conference going down in the second round. Um, so for Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. This has been another episode of In the Lab with Hoopsology. Let us know your guys' predictions, your guys' thoughts. Where are we? Where are we off? Do you guys think, hey, Lakers fans, get at us? I mean, do you guys think Lakers are beating Memphis straight up? Um, but we appreciate you listening. We appreciate your support as always. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Peace out. See you later. <laughs>